<laughs> I don't quite meet the criteria for live long, live strong. And you know that because I heard you mumble it. <laughs> Isn't it good for us to just reflect and stop and think how much God has blessed us? That even in the darkest times we can look back and just see God has been with us and walking through life with us. And, and, and I guess that's one of the reasons why I love the Psalms because so often they're written from a place of desperation. And they start off, God, I'm so unhappy, everyone's against me, nobody likes me. By the way, they're trying to kill me. And then usually halfway through the Psalm it turns around and says, and yet I will remember what you have done. I will remember how you have blessed me. I will remember how you have saved in the past. I will remember your history with me. And so I will give thanks. And it's quite fitting, those of you that are doing the Bible readings with us will notice we finished the book of Psalms during the week yesterday, I think. And just those last few Psalms, in fact, the last two Psalms, can somebody just read them? Can you just summarize in one word what the last two Psalms are about? Praise. In fact, you can kind of get into a nice rhythm. Praise the Lord. Da, da, da. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And it's fantastic because the whole book of Psalms, this book of darkness and, and heaviness and lightness, finishes with, Woohoo, God is the bestest. Praise Him. That's got nothing to do with what I'm going to say now, except we should be praising the Lord. And we have great, great reason. To be thankful. Amen indeed. Let's pray. <coughs> Father God, thank you so much that we can come into this place. Lord, so often we take things like this for granted that we have the privilege of meeting, that we can gather as your people. Thank you, Lord, that. We do not walk our life with you alone. That we are not Christians in isolation, but that you have called us to be a community. Your people together. Thank you, Father, that you are here with us by your Spirit. Lord Jesus, thank you that, that we can know you better even now. And thank you that we can see glimpses of you in each other. And I pray that in this church, you would so work in us, in our midst as a body of believers and in our midst as individuals, that we might be an encouragement to one another, that we might strengthen one another in our most holy faith, that we might be as Christ to each other. What a great passage this. As you read it, it's got thankfulness in it. But don't you just hear in Paul's writing how much he loves these Thessalonians. It's, it's kind of like this, this letter, which I can't find 
as I'm speaking to you. There we go. It's kind of like this letter that he's writing. He gets to chapter 2 and it's like, I'm so happy you guys are like me. You really, really like me. And I'm happy about that. But boy, I am overjoyed. Because not only do you like me, but you like God. And you are staying true to Him. And that is the best news ever. As he says, now we really live. Now we're alive because of you and the good report. So remember, the the situation here in Thessalonica. um, About four months before this letter was written, Paul has, has gone to Thessalonica, he's arrived there, and he's started this mission in the church. Acts chapter 17, just recapping for us. They've started the mission, things have gone... Yeah, quite well. There's a, a, a nascent church forms, body of believers, but there is incredible opposition. And the Jews follow them along and they stir it up, but, but everyone is against them. Even the, the people of Thessalonica themselves are against the church. And, and what ends up happening is that they grab a whole bunch of people. Paul's arrested. Posts bail. And sneaks away in the middle of the night. The believers send him off because they know that if he stays, things will not go well for him. Paul then moves on, keeps on with his journey, missionizing, telling people about the gospel. And we find him here, he's writing a letter four months later. And it seems that the people in Thessalonica are really going hammer and tongs against the Christians there. And last week we looked in the first half of chapter 2 how it seems that, that they were saying to the, to the Christians in Thessalonica, well, Paul was a scam artist. And Paul's writing to them and he's saying, actually, you guys know the truth. I wasn't scamming you. In fact, as I look at you two weeks back, I see that you are chosen by God. And it's worth it, brothers and sisters. This week... Paul steps forward and and it seems like another of the attacks against him and and the gospel was, well, if Paul really believed it, how come he ran away? If the gospel was true, how come he ran away? Sounds like a guy who was afraid to be scrutinized. And Paul writes back and says, okay, fine, I, I disappeared. You actually sent me away. But I disappeared. Why? Because I had to. Not because I wanted to. In fact, as he starts writing in in chapter 2, verse 17, what does he say? He says, (coughs) we were torn away from you for a short time. The word there is, we were orphaned from you. Paul says, I felt like an orphan. I hated being forced to leave you there all by yourselves. And it's been weighing on my heart, says Paul, all this time. And I've been, <laughs> I've been desperate for you. You remember he prays for them night and day together with Timothy and with Silas. And Paul says to them, I, I tried so hard to come back to you. I, Paul, I tried again and again and again and again. 
And yet Satan, verse 18, stopped us. There's an interesting two words right there, isn't it? Satan stopped us. We are on a mission for God Almighty, creator of the universe, maker of all things, the one who has absolute authority, and Satan stopped us. What? We don't know how Satan stopped him. It might be legal barriers that... Like if he arrived back in Thessalonica, he'd be chucked in jail. It, it, it could be that he was ill, the thorn in his side. Who knows? Thessalonians probably knew what it was. Tim probably told them. Satan stopped Paul from going back. And, and we read that and say, well, isn't God in charge? Yeah. But I love the way God works. Because you know what happened? God allowed Satan to stop Paul from going back to visit the Thessalonians. And because of Satan's, yeah, I've won a victory here, we have the letter to the Thessalonians to read today. Isn't that brilliant? Why did Satan stop them? So that God could bless them through this letter and bless us through this same letter. God is brilliant at turning the machinations of Satan around. I mean, the cross is the greatest example of that. Where Satan thinks he's won, but he's actually suffered defeat. So Paul says, Satan stopped us. But, but you guys got to know, I really, really wanted to see. Why? Well, verse 19 says to us, <coughs> excuse me. What is our hope? What is our joy? What is the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you, you Thessalonians? Certainly indeed you are our glory and joy. Paul says, I wanted to come visit you because as I look at you, I see you as the evidence of my life spent serving God. I see you as the fruits of my ministry. I look at you and, and it gives me joy. Parents, when you look at your children, even when they're misbehaving, <laughs> something of that, there's my glory. Paul says, you fill me with such hope and with such joy. Hope because I anticipate on the day when Jesus returns, standing there with you behind me saying, Paul introduced us to Jesus. Paul says, what a hope is that? And what a joy is that as well. For me to know that you guys who I love so much... I'm going to be with you forever. And as Paul is um, writing this, can't you just see the smile on his face from ear to ear? 
He goes, fill me with such joy. You are my crown, says Paul. Now we speak of crown, but the crown he's talking about here, the word is, is the laurel wreath that you got as an athlete if you won. Paul says, you are the evidence that I have won the race. Pressing forward. And though I have been away from you for so long, you guys should know, you are my everything, says Paul. Because I present you to Christ. You are my crown, which I shall lay down before the throne of Jesus. How do you feel about the idea of Paul speaking about a reward? Something to offer Jesus. I love it. You know, God could have just said to us, I'm God, you're not, I've saved you, get out there and do the job. But instead God says, I'm God, you're not, I love you. Therefore, because you love me in return, tell people about me. And your reward is is those people who come to know me. And you will love it. Anyone that's ever led somebody to Christ, it is the highest of highs. Anyone who's ever discipled someone. What a joy to point people to Jesus. What a reward that is. And what an honor to be able to lay them before Jesus and say, Master. Reminds me of Jesus' parable of the talents where he gave to each of his servants a bit of money and One invested and one didn't. But the point is that when Jesus returned, they took what he had given them and gave it back to him. And they were blessed for it. So Paul says to them, I really love you guys because you mean so much to me. Because one day I will stand before the throne of God Almighty and you will be there. And God will say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. Don't know about you, but I, I want that as well. Definitely. And, and maybe, maybe we're not all like Paul. In fact, we're certainly not all like Paul. That we will have throngs of people who we have led to Christ. But will we have people who we have told and discipled about Jesus? Will there be people in this church pointing at each other going, That person told me this about Jesus and that person showed me this about living the Christian life and and that person over there helped me when I was going through a tough time and each other pointing to one another and, and then coming to Jesus and say Lord here I lay my brothers and sisters down because I have been rewarded in helping them only because you have given me the strength. But Paul goes on in chapter 3. And he says to them, Well, I love you guys so much, but there came a point when I could stand it 
no longer. And I thought it best to be left alone in Athens and to send Timothy to see you. I could stand it no longer. I'm frustrated from getting to you. And I can stand it no longer because I love you Thessalonians so much. And verse 5, I'm really, really worried about you. Because I know what's happening to you. I know you are young Christians. I know you're enduring so much opposition. I know that your fellow countrymen are attacking you. And that your lives are, are so unpleasant. And I'm worried. And so I am going to send Timothy and stay here by myself. Silas at this point is probably off somewhere else as well. You're probably sitting there going, okay, fine, you send Timothy, you stay alone in Athens. Or Corinth or wherever he was. But this is Paul by himself in a totally non-Christian pagan society saying I will give up my support network. And we know that that there are a few times when Paul stumbles into town by himself and, and... He just can't. He needs Christian support under him because he works so hard. And Paul says, I will sacrifice Timothy who's like a son to me. I will stay here by myself because I am concerned about you guys. I will make a sacrifice because I am concerned about you Guys, I will suffer so that you can be encouraged. I will weaken my team to the point of being alone so that you can be strengthened. And Timothy, we know Timothy, I mean, a young, young guy, but on fire for the Lord. And and with incredible gifts. And, and here is an encourager. A man says Paul after my own heart. Who, who loves you the way I love you. And I'm sending him to you. Because I think you need it. And because I am so worried about you. What does he say in verse 5? He says here. I could stand it no longer, so I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you and that our efforts might have been useless. Wow. Do you see the difference there from from the end of chapter 2 to the end of chapter 3, verse 5? From you're our crown and our glory and our joy and our hope. And I'm a bit worried that you might have actually 
fallen away. And it's all been a useless exercise. Or how could Paul even say something like that? Aren't they Christians? How can he say, I was afraid that you might have left the faith? And the danger of giving into Satan is so real. I think we all know people who have been in churches and who have then left to follow the ways of the world. And I think it's as, as Jesus said in the parable of the seeds that some were scattered and took root quickly but when the troubles of this world came and wove around them like thorns they died. And Paul's writing this and saying are you guys still alive? I feel orphaned, like I've left my four-month-old baby behind. Are you okay? What an example for us of concern for other Christians. Friday morning I picked up the National Church Life Survey results. Do you remember that we did last time? And, and, and it says there that I think about a third of us say if we, if we knew somebody who was um, stumbling or falling away, we would go and chase after them and, and to sort of encourage them and call them back. And I, I would encourage all of us to look at Paul here and say, How much do we love our brothers and sisters? How concerned are we? And and to what extent will we put ourselves out for the sake of the spiritual well-being of one another? The gospel is all about sacrifice for the sake of the other. I mean, isn't that the story of the cross where God says... For the spiritual well-being of my people, I will sacrifice myself. And Paul here says, I will sacrifice my support network, my help, the guy that keeps me sane, so that I can encourage each other. Paul is so worried. <laughs> As he sings Timothy out. And then Tim comes back. And verse 6, he's like, wow. Timothy's just returned, just a little while back. And I sent him to encourage you guys. But instead, what has he done? I said to him, go and find out if they still have faith. Says Paul, he came back and told us about your faith and your love. Your faith in action, it's not just surviving, it's, it's thriving. 
He says, I was worried about you. What's happened? Timothy comes back and says, Hey Paul, they really like you. They, they long to see you again. I was worried about you. And so I wanted to encourage you. But now Timothy's come back and, Wow, we are so encouraged by the report. Now we live. I mean, what an encouragement for Paul as he's suffering. He says that we're going through these, these trials here where I am here. And then the report comes back and it's like a, a, a boost of adrenaline into my arm. And it's brilliant. And it's not just a temporary little boost. It's like you've plunged a main line in there. Because we're alive like you've never seen before. Because we know that God is good. And we know that our work is not in vain because if you guys can survive as infants in a, in a city that is against you, God can do anything. You refreshed my spirit. We enter God's presence with great joy. I've got a mate um, works for Youth Care. He's in charge of the chaplains for the southern metropolitan area. He's just had a kid, little little boy, a while back, and he's now at the stage where you have coffee with him, and he's like, "Yes, how are you doing? We need to talk business in just a little while." But have you seen the photo of my kid? That sort of proud parental love. And as I read through what Paul's speaking for the Thessalonians, that's what I see. That worry of a parent, but that joy when he sees them thriving. When he sees their faith in action. And so he gives thanks to God. This is where thanks comes. Thanks comes when we see God working. When we see God showing us that our following Him is not in vain. He prays, says, I want to come to you. I'm so thrilled that you're doing well, but I, I, I want to I fill up the little bits that are still missing. And it was answered, that prayer, um, in his, as far as we know, his third missionary journey, which is about five years after this, he gets to go and visit them again. He prays again, he says, you know, Timothy arrived and told us that you were loving each other, not just that you were believing I want your love. God, let their love just abound so much. Overflow to one another and not just to one another but to the world around them. Why? Because when love overflows, when faith is expressed in love, returns 
they will stand before him blameless and holy. Love. Faith expressed in love. What a fantastic prayer. Love one another the way God has loved us, the way Jesus died for us in his love for us. Willing to sacrifice. Willing to allow ourselves to care so deeply for one another. Willing to have that love overflow, says Paul. May your love overflow for others the way our love overflows for you. Because when we live a life of love, loving God, loving people, as our motto says, that's a life which is going to look something like Jesus. Lord, may we know you better. Thank you for calling us together that we can encourage and strengthen one another. Help us to learn from each other as we explore your word. Lord, may our faith be more than surface level. May it explode into fruits of love. Lord, I pray for us as a church that our love would overflow with such abundance. Lord, that people would look at this congregation and say, surely they belong to Christ because they love one another. But more, Lord, I pray that our love would not only overflow and be bounded by these walls, but that it would overflow and reach out to all those we have contact with. Lord Jesus, may your love inform our lives in such a way that we are willing to go to any extent for the good of others. That we are willing to be weakened for their strengthening. Because Lord, we hope for the day when you return. We long for the hour when we will stand with you. And we want to stand there blameless and holy and righteous when you come with all your holy ones. May the Lord give us of his love that we might give of his love to the world. Amen. Amen.